little trick. Hang on. I, I have this kind of habit of kind of just stuffing things in cupboards, shutting the door, pretending it's not there, and then, oh dear, one day you open the door and it all comes tumbling out. So I've started off with the kitchen. Um, I don't know if anyone else has this problem. Like I have like a, a cupboard full of tubs and can't find the lids to match the tubs, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, so, but you know, over the years, uh, we accumulate stuff, don't we? Um, stuff that sometimes we think we might need later, uh, stuff that's been left over from something before, and something that one day we think might come in handy, but actually often never does. Uh, clothes in drawers, things in the kitchen. Uh, you should see our loft. Like Russ has to do this kind of sharp intake of breath whenever he goes up there because it's like out of sight, out of mind. Um, yeah. Um, but the thing what I want to talk about this morning is stuff. All right. We, uh, when we have too much stuff, like I said, we ha- have this tendency to kind of cram it away. And then one day open the door and this stuff comes uh, falling out. So the question this morning is what do we do with all our stuff? Not so much the stuff in our cupboards but the stuff in our hearts. What do we do with that stuff that we have the tendency to hide away and that we don't want others to see? So I just want to take a look at this image for the moment. Um, Oh, hopefully we've got something coming on the PowerPoint. Okay, it's on its way. Okay, so uh, this image is is a collection of uh, litter that has been collected by a couple of artists. Um, The artists are called Tim Noble and Sue Webster. And I don't know if you can make out there, but there's things like old tin cans, like drinks cans, uh, there's cigarette packets, uh, there's tin cans that have been shot by air pellets. There's all sorts of stuff that these artists found uh, in the city and they collected it all up and arranged it. I don't know if you... I've, I've sometimes been to Tate Modern or something like that and thought, I don't know if I understand this as a piece of art, but, you know, I go and do my bit. Other people I know will be far more cultured than me and go like, hmm, yeah, I understand completely. Anyway, bit of rubbish there. But then this isn't the finished piece of work. So then what happens is light is shone behind it And this happens. Like, how amazing is that? All right, so light has just been shone behind it, and then you suddenly see what they've made with all the rubbish. And what you can see is the skyline of Manhattan. It's called Sunset Over Manhattan. It's remarkable, isn't it? It's really, really clever. Um, So uh, this is one of a piece of their work in something called the Shadow Series. I will give you a little heads up. If you want to look into it, some of their work you may find a bit offensive, so I'm just giving you that little heads up, okay? But, um, yes, so this is one of their pieces of work. Let's look at another one. Okay, so here we go. Again, loads and loads of rubbish, um, lots of old food cartons, rubbish bags, and then the light is put behind it and it's two young people it's called wasted youth two young people uh, just lying down it's amazing isn't it can you all see that you can see what's what's going on in the background and you might ask why I'm showing you these but I'm, uh, I'm showing you them because they're images of things that become transformed into something else so first of all all you see is rubbish but when the light is shone on it you see something else entirely Beauty comes from the mess. 
Something is created from something that has been discarded. Something is seen from something that was hidden. When the light is shone on them, what they look like is changed, what they mean is changed, what they stand for is changed, and the impact that they have on us is changed. And it's this process that we're going to look at a little bit this morning. So we've been looking at this series um, where we say, love God, love people, and then let's go. And one way in which we love God and love other people is that we get honest about our stuff. We get honest about our mess, about who we really are, the stuff that we'd rather no one else sees. Uh, We get honest with it, with God and with other people. And by doing that, uh, we begin to see things. We begin to see things in ourselves and in other people transformed. So when we allow God's light to penetrate our darkness, to shine on our mess, this process brings about healing, hope, and real transformation. And it leads us to loving others. God cares about our stuff. He wants to shine his light on it and to transform us and then those around us. And when I'm talking about stuff, I'm suggesting that there are three main types of stuff. I know there's more. I'm suggesting there's three main types and that they're accompanied by all kinds of different emotions. We're not looking at the emotions, but we're looking at the stuff. And I would say that the bulk of our stuff consists of sin, where we choose our own way, um, and pain and shame, those three things. Everyone's like, whoa, we've come into a bit of a heavy one this morning. (laughs) Um, But they're all separate things, but they're also linked. So what this morning we're going to look at, we're going to look at what Jesus does with our stuff when we come to him. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. I'm going to read a few verses there about a person that encounters Jesus with all of her stuff, and we're going to see what Jesus does with it. So it's Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, It will appear on the screen as well, but we really encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you've not got one, we've got some we can give away, okay? Just to kind of get stuck into this story, and you can look at it again when we get home. So this is what it says. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You can see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, 
told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So what we see here is a woman whose life is full of pain and shame. She has suffered for years, not just physically in her body, but in every other way. Her shame causes her to shrink away, hide her face, bow down low. And her condition is such that she's ousted from her community. So shame is her life. People look on her with disgust. She is seen as unclean. She is unwelcome. She is unloved. But whilst everything in her and around her ensures she has to hide herself away, there's this other force going on with her. She is desperate. She is desperate to meet Jesus, desperate to see if he might be the one who can heal her and could change this wretched life that she lives. And so she picks her way through the crowd and comes up behind him to just touch the tip of his clothes. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's what she's thinking. I don't know if maybe if some of you might even be feeling like that this morning. If I could just touch the tip of Jesus, then maybe he might heal me. And so with this thing in mind, she comes out of hiding and tentatively she comes into his presence, into his light. With all her sickness, all her pain, all her shame, all her mess, And she lets the light of Jesus shine on her. And then what happens in that moment is this amazing thing. As she comes to to touch Jesus, as she comes into the safety of his presence, her body is healed. This body that has been so sick for so long is healed. But the healing doesn't stop there. Because Jesus knows that this woman needs far more than just physical healing. She's borne the weight of shame and rejection for so many years. And she's bowed low with it. So he calls out to her into the crowd. And this is not an outing of the woman to bring her shame. It's an invitation to her to bring her wholeness. And Jesus invites the woman to come close, just as she is with nothing hidden. And coming with her pain and shame, she tells him the whole truth. And in the telling, she discovers who she is. She's no longer cast out. She's brought in. She's no longer unseen. She is loved. She is no longer alone. She is connected. She is daughter. And she is healed. You know, we don't get to see what happens next with her. But can you imagine the impact this encounter had on her? and also those around her. Just them watching what was going on and how Jesus was responding to her, what he was doing with her stuff, with her pain and her shame. And this encounter is a real-life encounter, but it's also a picture of Jesus' heart towards us. You know, what would it look like for us to come to Jesus with our whole truth? Jesus invites us to do that, to come to him, to tell him the whole truth. He knows it anyway, (laughs) but coming to Jesus is the place where we can find that we are fully known and at the same time fully accepted. You know, if we dare to let people see the messiest places of our hearts, we fear that they'll turn their back on us, but Jesus always has his face turned towards us. That's what he did when he died on the cross. 
Coming to Jesus is the safest place to get honest with our stuff. Jesus says, who touched me? And he keeps looking around to see who had done it. He has this heart that pursues us. His eyes are intent on seeking us out. He invites us to come close with all our mess. He says, I see you, I know you, and I love you. I see all your stuff. And he gives us this invitation to get honest with him about who we are. The stuff that we try to hide away that others won't see. The stuff that is so deeply rooted in us. The places where we feel less than. The mess that is our pain and shame. Jesus invites us to come to him and say, here I am. And as we do, what happens in that moment is that Jesus climbs into the space of our deepest pain, of our deepest shame, and he says, I know, and I'm here, and I've died for you. And if you look uh, at the life of Jesus, there is time and time again where Jesus does this with people. You know, something happens in us and others when we tell Jesus our whole truth, when we bring our pain and our shame out into the open, into the light of his presence. Bit by bit, as we allow him time and time again, he transforms our mess with his light. It's an ongoing process of transforming us and offering that transformation out to other people. This process of telling our truth to Jesus, whether we come confidently into his presence or tentatively like this woman, um, it brings transformation. Let's look at another encounter that Jesus has with another woman. So we've talked about, I talked about three kinds of mess, yeah? Pain and shame, which is what we've seen in that first story. And then the, the third one is our sin. So what does that look like? If you've got a Bible again, turn to John chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 1. So this is another woman's encounter with Jesus. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Okay, if she's caught in adultery, she's probably right in the middle of some action. Yeah? Probably not very well clothed. She's caught right in the middle of adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I wonder what Jesus wrote. I, I, I just wonder. I, I, oh, yeah, I, 
yeah, I wonder what he wrote. We don't know, but what we do know is that this woman's sin was brought right out into the open by others who were pointing the finger and just parading her in front of others. Their purpose was to shame her and condemn her. But Jesus' response to her is to bring freedom and offer her wholeness. She didn't have a chance to confess, to bring her sin out into the open. That was all done for her. But often with our sin, our fear is, if people really knew what I'm like, if people really knew what I've done. But when it comes to Jesus, no matter what we've done, we come to him with our mess and his response is always, neither do I condemn you. You know, we come to him with our mess. The cross was messy. You know, we sang about it this morning that when I survey the wondrous cross, when we think about the reality of what Jesus went through in order to show how much he loves us. The cross was messy. Jesus bearing our sin and shame was messy. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he took on all our sin, all our shame, took our place so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for it. He paid the price for it. And in return, he offers us to step into wholeness time after time again. He offers us his wholeness and freedom. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And he urges us now to go and leave our life of sin. He says, he urges us to stop doing what hurts us and him and other people and to choose his kind of living, to choose him. So no matter how much stuff we have, our sin, our pain and our shame, no matter how messy our story is, God can turn it around when we allow ourselves to come into his presence, to come close with all that we have, to tell our truth. It is an amazing thing. But, you know, we have friends, we have people in our families, we have people in our communities who don't know that God transforms our stuff. Who don't know that Jesus says, come to me with all your stuff. They don't know that Jesus can turn their life around, that he can change the picture so it doesn't just look like mess and discarded rubbish, so that it's not just that stench of rubbish in our lives, so we're not defined by it. But when he shines his light on us, the picture looks different. He turns mess into beauty. It's what he does. That's why he died for us. So just quickly, what do we do with ourselves? How do we actually do this getting honest is telling the whole truth. Firstly, we come close to God. Like we meet Jesus. We have an encounter with Jesus. That's what these two women had um, this morning. Two women kind of got up close and personal and had this encounter with him and brought their stuff out into the open. They discovered they were completely known and not rejected. And maybe some of you here um, have never had that experience. Maybe some of you have never said, God, I want to come close to you. I want to tell you my stuff. I want to follow you. I want you to be in my life. And, you know, if that's you, if you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, we would love to pray with you a bit later. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, but we have this constant invitation to come close with all that we are, to tell our whole truth to place ourselves in the presence of God and allow ourselves to be loved by him. 
by unveiling the secrets of our hearts, the depths of our emotions. You know, God can cope with all of that stuff. And as we sit with Jesus in his presence, his spirit broods over us and moves in us and heals us and changes us. So as we come close to God, we can spend time with him in worship, in silence, reading the Bible, just being unrushed in his presence. Because what we find as we do that, as we wait, as we just sit with him, his love just comes. His love tells us that we are fully known and fully accepted. And he is staggeringly faithful. He is endlessly generous and he is totally, totally kind. That is the heart of Jesus. So we come close to God. Another way that we can push into this stuff is that we become more self-aware become more aware of who we are and what our stuff is. Right? We can choose to open ourselves up to the Spirit of God and with his help, we can get to know ourselves better. We can become more aware of our emotions, what they're telling us. We can learn to be curious and ask questions. You know, Why do I kind of cringe, like wince internally when that person says that? When that happens in us, it's triggering our stuff. All right, why do I show up like this in this relationship? Why do I show up like this when I'd rather be showing up like this? That's because our stuff is at play. All right, and with, with his prompts, we can become more of the way, uh, aware of the way that we tick. We can stop pretending we're okay when we're not okay. We can acknowledge the places where we've hurt and how they impact on us. We can look at our patterns of behavior. We can pay attention to what we're kind of paying attention to. And we can intentionally invite God into those spaces and places in our lives. That's the telling the whole truth. Inviting him into our stuff and our mess. And it's not navel-gazing. I know there's that kind of thought, oh my goodness, maybe this is, I'm just then looking at me. But what happens is as we do that, it's actually transformational. The Spirit of God moves in us, changes us, and in turn uh, changes those that, that we meet and the places that we walk. Thirdly, we do these things with others. We do them in community. And that's why we think small groups are so important. We find people we can trust with our stuff, whether that be confessing our sin or naming our places of pain and shame. We choose to be vulnerable. We speak out to listen. We pray with each other. We stand with each other and journey with each other. So getting honest with our stuff with God also means getting honest with our stuff with trusted others. And that can be scary, right? <laughs> because we're programmed against it. We want to run and hide. You know, this um, getting vulnerable with um, other people, with trusted people, has been a real personal journey for me. Um, I, I am someone who can listen quite well, um, but sometimes I don't offer too much of myself to other people. Or I do it a bit, but not consistently. So, um, And so I've been really pressing into this kind of intentionally developing relationships and pressing into friendships where I can say, look, this is me, this is my stuff. Will you stand with me with Jesus and help me bring it out into the open? As I do that, will you stand with me? And sometimes that's looked like picking up the phone um, or texting friends when I'm not doing great um, or when I'm struggling or hurting with something. Sometimes it's looked like, can you just pray with me about this? Um, 
sometimes it's looked like that excruciating feeling of confessing sin to someone else. Um, I think you probably know what I mean. That kind of, oh my goodness, if I actually tell people what I was thinking at this time, what was going on in my heart, what will they think? But what I found is as I am pressing into doing this, um, I experience this freedom that comes with it being out in the open, that telling the whole truth thing. Um, so I am not there yet, but I am leaning and pressing into this stuff because I know it is life-giving and I know that God brings healing and transformation to me and other people as I do it. So, And I have you know, experienced real shifts in how I show up with people and how I relate to God and other people by practicing this, by telling the whole truth to good friends. And sometimes what we see is that God's kingdom comes crashing in so powerfully that you can literally see change overnight. But I would suggest that more often than not, change comes with that intentional, hard work of pressing in to telling our stuff, bringing it out in the open with God and with other trusted people. Uh, in a minute, we are going to close and we're going to pray. And I don't know about you, but when we do ministry time here, we, will, we often we invite you to come up the front. Um, sometimes you might not be feeling anything. Sometimes maybe your heart is pounding and the Spirit of God is just nudging you about something. Sometimes maybe you feel like you just want to hide and run away. But this invitation to come down the front is an opportunity to bring our stuff into the light in the company of others. It's a vulnerable thing to do because by doing it outwardly, others will see. <laughs> um, but you don't have to come down here. You know, this is not a holy bit of carpet down the front. But when we move our bodies, when we open up our hands, when we ask someone to pray with us, when we respond, we're making ourselves vulnerable. We're being brave, however you want to put it. But that vulnerability opens us up to more of what God can do in us. It doesn't change God's posture towards us, but it does change our posture towards him. Doing this stuff looks like what Jesus said in Matthew 22, where he talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor like yourself. You know, without the light of Jesus, our stuff is just rubbish. It's just discarded things that litter the place around it. But something comes out of the mess when we let the light of Jesus shine in it. Shall we stand? Why don't we pray?